In 2021, retired academic Helen Sword received an email from a young man who wanted to join her online creative writing workshop. It was from Hussain Shah Rizai, who was then, unbeknownst to her, stuck in an Indonesian detention centre after being smuggled out of his home country in Afghanistan following his escape from the Taliban. Helen, an emeritus professor at the University of Auckland, had no idea of Hussain's circumstances at the time, or that he'd only recently started learning English through YouTube videos. But what she did recognise was a tremendous writing potential and willingness to learn. And so the pair formed a friendship which has just recently resulted in Hussain Shah Rizai arriving in New Zealand to live. Well, here by which mechanism during the interview. He's settling into his new home on Auckland's North Shore, furnished by the generosity of strangers who saw his story on Facebook and reached out to help. Helen Sword and Hussain Shah Rizai are in our Auckland studio. Uh, Kia ora korua, welcome both of you. Kia ora, Catherine. Kia ora, Catherine. Wow, what a story. Let's begin at the beginning, Hussain, if you don't mind. Could you take us back to your childhood, where you grew up, uh, and what it was like? Um, thank you, Catherine. Um, well, I grew up in a remote uh, a village at the south uh, east of Afghanistan called uh, um, Jogori. Um That Jogori is belonged to the um, Hazara people who's been uh, pushed out into the mountains uh, uh, throughout the recent centuries, uh, escaping persecution from the uh, central government or ruling um, government. Um, well, I grew up in a very in a remote uh, rural area, uh, in a very peaceful, uh, relatively peaceful environment. Uh, after the uh, uh, after the presence of foreign troops in in in, in Afghanistan, that brought uh, uh, a relative safety to our village, um, with the Taliban being pushed out of the um, area. Uh, so um, I, I, I grew up there, um, I had the normal start to life like any other kids, uh, the opportunity to go to school. Uh, I was the first um, person in, in, in my family to have uh, an opportunity to go to school. Um, my parents didn't have the opportunity, uh, but they encouraged me as much as they didn't have the opportunity themselves. Uh, but they saw the value in it, and um, um, I, yeah, I grew up in uh, in, in those uh, in that area with with everyone's in my surrounding quite familiar and known, uh, being a distant relative to us. Born in nineteen ninety eight, you were, uh, and and had this childhood, and, and as you say, this opportunity at education that had not been in the family before. When did things? change and and terribly so for the family um it was in um during the march of 2012 uh, when uh, my father uh, went missing on his way bringing uh, shop supplies from ghazni uh, an area outside of our uh, outside of the region uh, jawry uh, so where the uh, people had to go through Borders that were controlled by by Taliban, um, and that like my father went missing, and uh, 
we didn't hear back from him for uh, nearly a year, and it was a terrible um, uh, thing to happen to our family. And um, we waited for 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 nearly a year, um, not hearing back from my father, and then I had to take the responsibility to take care of my family, uh, just like a burden on shoulders of every elder uh, child um, in, in 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 Afghanistan, or more so in the area that we were living. So you were just fourteen, now responsible for supporting the family. Uh, and what, what happens then that was to cause such distress, to put it mildly, and to change your life, Hussain? Um, well, I, I received some help from uh, my friend's father who uh, helped me set up the, the shop. Um, and then um, after receiving help for nearly a year, and then I had to go through uh, the same border buying uh, the um, stock for the shop that we had. Um, so that's when uh, when things start to change. Uh, uh, after I was um, stopped uh, on 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 my way, uh, bringing bringing the uh, shop supply from Ghazni, uh, and the Taliban fa- um, found found some uh, so-called illegal stuff like alcohol in the stock. Uh, in in my stock that I wasn't aware of it, so I was uh, carrying it with uh, uh, a couple of other shop uh, keepers, whom uh, which uh, I overlooked uh, the the uh, the loading of the stock and the, the track, and I didn't I wasn't aware of that. And uh, uh, after the Taliban found that, and they uh, took me away and beat me, um, and then I. Uh, that's where I um, I received also help from another Hazara who helped me to escape the captivity. You were being questioned in a language you couldn't understand. Everything was taken from you, your money, your phone. Um, you were beaten, and I'm sorry to go there, but, but, but you were beaten. Here, this 14-year-old boy, and there was another man with you, as you've alluded to, too injured to escape, but he did help you get out. And then where did you go? Um, I I went to um, to capital uh, to uh, to Kabul, and uh, I didn't know anything about uh, Kabul. I've I've only watched it on TV, and I uh, the only person that I knew that I distinctly knew was uh, another man from the village who owned a a hotel uh, in Kabul, and um, I knew the name of the hotel, and they. Uh, the the bus that I hitchhiked after my escape took me to Kabul. Um, from there, I contacted my uh, the the hotel owner helped me to contact my uh, my mom, and then and then we decided for me to leave Afghanistan. Literally ran into the darkness and to a place you'd never been. So you resorted to use a word in these incredible circumstances for the sake of your life um, to a smuggler. And that's not uncommon, is it? That the, the people uh, trying to get out, who have to get away, uh, will have to use uh, an, intermediary, an intermediary like this. Um, and it, we know many times the saying it can go horribly wrong. Um, but were you able to get 
away. Where did you go to next? Um, yeah, that's uh, on on your note. It is quite common um, for uh, people to escape, uh, um, and they find a way to get out of uh, uh, their country. And those people, uh, well, they were referred by a smuggler, but sometimes they can be a lifesaver. And in, in my case, that has been uh, the case. Uh, after um, I, I flew uh, on a flight from Kabul to uh, uh, Delhi, uh, India. And there, from India, you know, here you are. The, I, I can I, I can just imagine a fourteen-year-old now in India, again another language or languages to deal with, um, and 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 just desperate. Uh, from whence to, to Indonesia? Because um, that is where you were you were to be detained, and, and where Helen um, will bring Helen into the story. But where else did you? go trying to find a place to be and to find some asylum well um well i was on pretty much on my own at the age of sorry to re to recorrect it uh, at, the, at the time i was 16 uh so um i i didn't know uh, well we had the language barrier like at the airport where um the uh, uh, I, I, the smuggler would uh, would tell us that okay, follow the other passengers. They would lead you uh, where you'd be going, and there was some people inside the airport that would help us get out of there. Um, but uh, like being like not knowing a language in a places where uh, you do not, uh, uh, where in places you cannot, you're new to. You are basically. Uh, you're basically like a child. You do not know what to do. And uh, um, from India, like uh, I, I went to I, with another flight. Uh, uh, I went to um, Malaysia, and uh, I stayed there for um, a couple of days in a private house. And then the smuggler took us to a Malaysian shore, uh, where the a, a wooden boat, a fishing boat. Uh, that took us in the night to um, uh, um, uh State in uh, in Indonesia, um, and then from there to Jakarta on a, another flight, domestic flight. You surrender yourself to a refugee centre at this point, and goodness, the next nine years uh, of a young man's life, I understand, uh, were, were spent there. And, and what was the experience there, Hussein? What, what what sort of an environment was it? Well, um, gosh, it's um, it was a very difficult uh, place. It's like I surrendered myself in a detention centre, or uh, I call it, I rename it as prison because uh, it is structurally built as a prison where uh, refugees were. Uh, being uh, punished for escaping their country, speaking war, um, and that's mainly funded by uh, Australia. So um, uh, I was inside detention centre with not uh, being able to uh, go out. Uh, it wasn't just that, that we were uh, being treated as a criminal, as a prisoner, as someone who's committed a crime. Um, and then to put something out on top is that we were... Uh, kept for indefinite time. So the fact that I stayed there for not, for three and a half years inside the prison or inside the detention centre, that 
doesn't uh, that doesn't mean that uh, they intended to keep me there. So we, along along with other refugees, we had to go through a series of uh, hunger strike and uh, protests to uh, to free ourselves from the detention center uh, after three and a half years. And it was a very very difficult time, and I was separated from my family and uh, because they, they were the most important uh, part of my life and I was at the age of 16 amongst like 300 males uh, and um, yeah it was like a very very difficult like uh, I was going through a series of um, mental and emotional distresses um, you are moved to another centre where you're at least allowed out during the day. There was a 6pm to 6am curfew, and this is where you were to stay for the remainder of those nine years, you know, aged 16 to 25 or, uh, approximately. But it was also when you were at the second centre that you met Helen. Um, and I mean, what what is extraordinary, you, you mentioned mental health, which is an enormous issue for any refugee for the multiple stresses of their lives, the reasons they fled in the first place, everything they've lost, the circumstances that they're having to live in in a detention centre, the limbo that their lives are in. Um, What were you doing to be okay? And was this where the writing was perhaps literally a lifesaver, Hussain? Um, yeah, that's uh, true. Well, um, I usually put it like this. Whenever there's uh, an imprisonment, uh, there's also a pushback from the people who is being imprisoned. And uh, uh, sometimes the pushback, the pushback can be in different ways. For me, the pushback was um, to educate myself. To First, uh, I started learning English, uh, which I didn't know uh, except a couple of words. Uh, I self-studied English through YouTube videos, um, listening to podcasts, uh, and later on reading books. Um, and also, I wanted to. Uh, I found it liberating. I found it like keeping me safe. But uh, just learning English wasn't helping me to cope with mental and emotional distresses that I was going through. Uh, and then I take on self-studying uh, psychology, uh, which. Uh, which really helped me to to cope with the emotional and mental distresses that uh, I was going through. And then that enabled me to help other refugees as well. Um, and then I switched to writing by, by telling my story, uh, which um, I... It was like um, out of... Uh, well, I didn't know how difficult it was uh, to begin with. Uh, but uh, I knew that I had a lot to write and uh, I had no resource available um, to to help me with except the online courses and books and um, lectures. Uh, but uh, I, no one in my surrounding was writing. No one in the Indonesian community uh, was, was writing in English as well uh, um, inside the refugee community. As well, no one was writing, and then uh, I was trying to find uh, resource online. Uh, that's when I came to uh, meet Helen, and uh, life was to change again. 
Hussain, stay with us, please. You're listening to Nine to Noon with Catherine Ryan on RNZ National. It's 22 and a half minutes past 10. Let's bring Helen in. Uh, so, look, just a quick background on you, Emeritus um, Professor, of course, but at this stage, what, what were you doing with the online writing platform? And then please explain the email that was to change so many things, Helen. Sure. So... Um at the time, I was still a professor at the University of Auckland. My whole research area is writing, um, helping people with various aspects of academic and professional writing. And so when the pandemic came, um, I was well-placed to start doing some uh, free Zoom workshops on things like writing in the time of COVID-19, right? Um, and so that was building up my email list. And then in early 2021, I decided to start an online membership community called The Right Space. So I announced that on my email list and people could join for, it was 15 US dollars a month. And it was soon after that that I got this email out of the blue from Hussein. Um, I'll read it to you exactly verbatim, okay? Um, I'm Hussein Shah Rezai from Afghanistan, but currently living as a refugee, temporary for seven years in Indonesia. And let me just say, I didn't really have any picture there of what that meant. Writing has worked yet as a rescuer to the daunting difficulty of my life as a refugee. One of the things that stand on my way to write is getting access to some high-quality writing material, as well as making connection with experienced and renowned writers for constructive feedback. Internet is the only place I sneak around to have some sort of connection. I know that the mere practice of writing is being done solitary in the corner of empty space, but becoming better writer to some extent depend on connection with like-minded people. I would really appreciate if I get a chance to attend to your future writing program. So you can hear how his English has developed since then. It's still beautiful writing. <laughs> but it was a beautiful piece <laughs> yes, of writing. Yes. It was so it, it, eloquent. so evocative. And what was I – I would have been stopped in my seat probably reading that. What was your immediate reaction? Well, I just uh, – I get – I get a fair amount of email from people around the world saying, you know, can you send me this? Can you send me a free copy of your book? Can you do this for me? And sometimes I'll respond and people won't even get back to me to thank me. So, you know, I responded and said, uh, why don't you come along to one of my Zoom um, I run something called a virtual writing studio online. So I gave him the Zoom link to come to that. And I said, look, if you like it, if you think this is something that would be helpful, then I can I can give you a scholarship to the right space community. And my expectations were fairly low, right? But then he, there he was. He came. Um, I work mostly with academic writers in this community, people with PhDs, you know, and Hussein arrives there and is talking to the other people and this beautiful smile and excellent English. And um, it was kind of a no-brainer to welcome in, him into the community and then try to help as 
as I could, which basically included him sharing little pieces of the writing that he was doing with other people who were there, who were doing very different kinds of writing. So um, by coincidence, a professor of kinesiology in Texas had told me a week before that she'd be interested in funding a scholarship to the community. So I got her to fund Hussein for his $15 a month. And he started coming along. And um, for quite a long time, you know, I just assumed he had a better life than he did. I knew he was a refugee in Indonesia, but his English was so good. I figured that meant that he was in some kind of full-time English education, that he was being trained or taught skills for when he was able to move on from there. So it wasn't until uh, the fall of Afghanistan when the the um, American troops left and the Taliban surged back into power that I started having more personal conversations with him and kind of checking in, how's your family? And that's when I realized how little I actually knew about his circumstances and arranged for just a one-on-one call to learn more about what was actually going on. You found out, and and you did learn a lot more, uh, you found out about a pilot program that had been halted over the pandemic and which was to start up again in 2022. And this is is what was to be life-changing. Tell me a little bit more about that program and talking to Hussein about whether whether, um, he wanted to pursue or not, you know, pursue the chance. What what developed to the point where he is now in Tamaki Makaurau Auckland studio talking to us next to you? Well, when I had this conversation with him, um, that was the point where I realized I needed to try to do something. I had no idea what might be possible, but I started asking around. I asked colleagues at the university, people who'd worked in the refugee sector, and that was when I found out about this pilot program called CORES, the Community Organization Refugee Sponsorship Scheme, which had just been relaunched after the pandemic, um, and it was to bring in refugees um, above and beyond the quota. So we get 1,500 refugees a year um, sent by the UN High Commission for Refugees to New Zealand. They go through the Mangere Resettlement Center. And the community um, sponsorship scheme allows for extra people beyond that quota to come in because they're being sponsored by community organizations, which can be churches, nonprofits, but in our case, I had a little company with my husband to run my my writing um, workshops, and um, we were able to apply to become a community organization and request to sponsor him. Hussein, what has been your experience of your survival and, in fact, your thriving even in detention, and I don't want to underestimate what you're telling us about the mental health experiences you were having, but you you, you still were writing and you reached out to Helen and you were, became part of this writing community. But what was your experience of first the first conversation about the possibility of applying to come to New Zealand and then what unfolded? Were you sceptical at first? 
Um, well, this is a good question. I um, well um, up until you know for 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 something that doesn't come for uh, nine years, and you stop hope, hoping for it, and that's the most daunting thing that uh, that is uh, happening to us, like keeping us in uncertainty with the with the with the vague future ahead. So. Um, and uh, when when things starting to unfold with this opportunity, and I stop hoping for it, and I stop seeing myself in the future, I stop. Uh, I start. Um, I start seeing myself in the future, or and and uh, that was like a, a reignite of hope within me. With when when this uh, opportunity came along, um, and then uh, will we. We went through a very um, uh, roller coaster uh, process, which was uh, uh, a combination of hope and despair, dwelling between the two, and then it finally came through. Uh, I, f I start feeling like like a normal human being, like uh, people normal normally don't relate to those experiences because they don't. Uh, they're not kept in this in 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 in, in a forever limbo or uncertainty. Um, I stop. Uh, yeah, I start. I start feeling normal. Um, to put it in, in in two words. What was your experience of coming here, and what's been your experience of um, of you know settling in in Auckland? Um, it, it has been like. Um, more than um, I could imagine. It's been great, wonderful. Uh, um, it is. It's nice to have like a place, a safety, uh, and 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 a start to 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 a new life. Um, well, it has its own challenges uh, with being new to a country where you know nothing, and you meet faces that you haven't seen before. You hear names that you haven't heard before. And you, um, you have to do lots of things that you haven't tried before. You are on lots of, lots of times. I feel like a child, but still, um, it is, uh, it is different feeling when you have a safety and also a very positive welcome uh, from the community and being surrounded with people who genuinely think about you, who genuinely uh, um, trying to help you, which is something that I didn't have back in Indonesia. Uh, this was what we were lacking. I would give a very simple contrast between the two. Uh, for the before coming to uh, New Zealand, uh, we refugees, Afghan refugees in Indonesia, were protesting for over 26 months, uh, uh, and uh, on the street, door to door, to street to street, um, and. There hasn't been a single incidence of an Indonesian people coming to us uh, and asking, "What is, what is your problem? Uh, how can I help?" And and here, like even without shouting out my 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 plight and people offering their help, is something that uh, that you cannot find in another places. Hussein, I know among other things, you used your psycho psychology study and just your um, own self. To, to counsel and to help other refugees and there's only a small number this was 150 above the regular quota right but it's still a few hundred a year 
that New Zealand resettles. How would you like perhaps the perception of, of what a refugee is to change? I know this is something that matters to you. Do people have a, a perception of, of refugees that, that you believe is misplaced? Could you explain? Um, th- that's definitely the case. I mean, we refugee, we hear about refugees when they escape uh, their country, uh, when they are being persecuted. But we don't hear refugees who become a doctor, who become an engineer, who are an engineer, who are a doctor, who is someone useful. And this, uh, the general perception of refugees are people who who is in the state of other. Um, help so and then we should do people are like the government is like uh, helping them and they are unable to help themselves and or to give back the community and that has been different in my experience even at the corner of those helpless places there are people who are uh, able to help uh, and then who um, even like if the next if a war break out well, um, in in places like uh, in a developed country or here in New Zealand, and if everyone become a a, a refugee, uh, so imagine like a doctor, a politician, an engineer, uh, everyone can become a refugee. So that's the case for refugees who are escaping their countries. They are not uh, helpless, and they can give back to community. And um, I hope that. Uh, um, that 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 mindset uh, or that perception changes, and um, they can, they have lots lots of things to offer. Basically, just finally, um, this story began with your father going away and not coming back, and incredibly, I think you recently found out some news about your father, Hussein. Um, yep, uh, my uh, well, um, it, I, back in, in Indonesia, um, my father, uh, I had the news that my father came back like after uh, missing for six years and not contacting my family and he hide away in Iran um, where he thought that it would be safe for my family to uh, to not getting in touch with us so you know he's alive and yeah but still this is the thing um, the separation of you all uh, and the incredible incredible person that you are uh, despite everything that's been thrown your way. Uh, thank you for talking to us. Thank you, Helen Sword, as well, for coming in this morning. Hussein thank you, Rezai and Helen Sword. You can uh, read more of Hussein's writing. There's a link on our website.